Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Well, howdy once again. It is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander with Bunker to France. You certainly are. And Todd Roberts. Hello, Todd. Hello, sir. How that's about time. We were wondering. Well, I thought the... you were with the school teacher from Pacoima. No, there. no. Uh, and also, uh, she did, she she did, she doesn't like my cologne. <laughs> and also on the phone with us today is our good friend John Comrada. Good afternoon, John. Howdy, 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 as they said in the movie The Rounders with Glenn Ford and Fonda. Howdy, 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 howdy. Well, howdy, doody, doody, doody. <laughs> Today's program yeah. is uh, we're going to kick back and. Uh, Talk about something fun instead something of something serious. Yeah, uh, fun, we're we're yeah. gonna do uh, we're gonna do those great sidekicks. Yeah. We have a little year. business to take care but of. But first, first, some business. Yes. Well, we have one birthday this week coming up. Uh, it'll be his seventieth. It'll be on Thursday. It'll be Kurt Russell. Uh, wow! Happy birthday, Mr. Russell. I doubled him on 70. on the pile of quest. And didn't you? No, and no, I'm no. thinking of a different movie. Never mind. And then also the uh, the this is a little media news. Aces and Eights, Poker in the Old West is the latest book uh, from Ralph Estes. It's scheduled to come out February. That's just past February, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. His next book, Jack Thorpe and the Development of Western Music, is being finished up, and I am tickled to death because Jack Thorpe published the first collection of cowboy songs nice. and poems. Mm-hmm. In New Mexico, boy, went around all over the Southwest, mm-hmm. different ranches. Mm-hmm. And I have, I actually have a copy, not an original copy, mm-hmm. but an updated copy of the original book. And nice. Just great stuff in there. After that, he's, uh, he's working on a book titled... Uh, Oh, here we go. Trailing the West about trails all over the Old West, and right now he's in research on that. So keep the good work up there, Ralph. All righty. All right, so uh, sidekicks it is. And what is a sidekick? Well, I've got a definition here. It comes from Way Out West by Jane and Michael Stern. It's a great little book. In Westerns, nearly every handsome hero needs a cantankerous old man as his companion, like Gabby Hayes. If not, then a fat, silly one like Smiley Burnett, or a dopey, well-meaning one like Sterling Holloway, or a strangely behaved uh, ethnic one like Tonto, or one who limps like Chester, or at least one who is always getting into a mess that the hero gets him out of like Andy Devine. Sidekicks might be annoying and troublesome to just about everyone in town, but the man they hang around with knows they are good at heart. Very often they are pariahs from whom no one will be friends and with be, with, be friends with because they yeah, they have a drinking problem, because they don't shave and smell, <laughs> because they're moochers or simply because they're different. But a real cowboy hero has a noble perspective on human nature and sees beyond all such superficial shortcomings. So to become a true friend to his inferior companion, besides on those rare occasions when a cowboy hero is in trouble, it is often his sidekick who helps him out, never by dint of fist or straight shooting, which are too assertive for a sidekick, but stealthily perhaps by... Uh, masquerading as a mule or hiding in a keg of rum, and so on and so forth. Well, as to the term sidekick, it was used infrequently in the old B-Westerns. While watching Shadow Valley, that's a PRC movie from 1947, singing cowboy Eddie Dean compliments his pal Roscoe Soapy Yates when he says, even though you're a 10th rate shot, you're a first rate sidekick. There you go. I think that's a def- good definition that's a, right there. Is, yeah. John, what do another you think? Name, another name for the sidekicks they used to call it their saddle pals. Yeah. Well, that can be your wife, too, though. Well, yeah. Or your girlfriend. 
Well, it could be. <laughs> or it could be another guy in the bunkhouse. It could be. Talk. Or, or just, it just it could just be your mule. <laughs> Todd, what it's do you funny, think? With the, si- with the sidekicks, a lot of them had, you know, uh, the, some old codger, or the, fi- the funny guy, and then the star. Yeah. Uh, in the Hoppy situation, he always had three. Yep. He was like the brains. Then there was the Russell Hayden or Rand Brooks or uh, Jay Jimmy Kirby. Ellis. They were the Jimmy Casanova. Mm-hmm. Then he had the, you know, uh, 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 Eddie Clyde or um, uh, uh, Gabby Hayes as well, the know, funny I guy. Break, so. I break that down a little bit more because I take guys like Jimmy Ellison and like that. They're the juvenile lead. They're they're a sidekick, but they're not a full fledged sidekick. Todd, what do you think? Right. Well, I think uh, I I think you guys are on the right track here. I mean, you know, uh, Gabby Hayes uh, is uh, I think the most iconic of all in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, <laughs> in the comedic way. So much so that you know they created a character to 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 parry him in Blazing Saddles, mm-hmm. um, as did um, in uh, Rustler's Rhapsody. They had right. um, the guy from the um, police uh, movies, um, you know, have had him come in and be uh, the sidekick. But, you know, the sidekick also, you know, there's there's more than one way we can go with it. You know, um, I would also say that, you know, Pompey in uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, portrayed by uh, the great Woody Strode, is a fabulous sidekick. Yeah, um, yeah, Bunk- Bunker and, Bunker and I know, talked about that yesterday, and Bunker yeah. doesn't think that's a, 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 a good um, um, definition. You know, I, I had Woody on my list, and I got to thinking that, uh, his character in that story, even though it's not it's not the biggest part in it, he's an equal. He's an equal with Wayne. Well, he's, he's treated more a, yes, he's more of a caretaker on, than Hold a on. Sidekick. He's treated by all of them. In my opinion, are treated like equals by their by their by their guy, Roy mm-hmm. Rogers, Gene Autry, or whoever. But the rest of the town does not treat them, or everybody else does not treat them like equals. Well, they they see, see part elevated as a black man. To e- well, yeah, but it doesn't matter what the reason is. The re- the point is, is that he's he's equal because he's being treated equally by the person is the only person that matters to him. He doesn't care about everybody else. Tano is never treated equally. In fact, it was so much so that Bill Cosby used to have a routine in his in his stand up comedian act. He said, you know, as a kid, I grew up listening to the Lone Ranger, and I just loved the show. But, you know, I always used to worry about Tonto every show because every show, Tonto somehow uh, was sent into town ahead of the Lone Ranger. And the Lone Ranger would say, okay, Tonto, here's what we're going to do. You go ahead into town and map things out, and I'll show up later in a disguise. Mm. And inevitably, Tonto would go on into town, and the townspeople would would beat him like a drum and -hmm. practically string him up in those radio serials. And Bill Cosby used to say, you know, I just, when I was a kid, I used to just wish so much that Tonto would finally just tell Kimo Sabi what he really thought. (laughs) And so he said, I always had this fantasy that... The Lone Ranger would say, okay, Tonto, here's what we're going to do. You go on into town and map it out ahead of me, and I'll come in later and uh, uh, in a disguise. And I always wanted to hear Tano say, Kimosabi, I go to town, you go to hell. <laughs> you know, I'm so, you know, I just think that, that, I think the that there's some that are, you know, uh, sidekicks that we don't think of. Yeah. You know, Zeppo was the sidekick for the Marx Brothers. Yes, he was. Uh, because there was a great book called Harpo, Chico, Groucho, Harpo, Chico, and sometimes Zeppo. Yeah. Who was the good-looking one who could sing, like yep. the uh, like the, uh, the, the the character of Lucky in uh, the Hopalong Cassidy's, as mm-hmm. John said. Mm-hmm. And by the way, John, how are you? I'm good, good to hear good, you. Good, Todd. How you um, doing? I'm good. But, you know, I think that... There's an art at being 
the uh, the the fodder of everyone's laughter, mm-hmm. and all these guys had something in common, which was they were able to, if they did it funny, to be that guy. You know, uh, uh, the great uh, Jay Silverheels who played Tonto. You know, he had a great acting career before he became Tonto. Yeah, and after, uh, and he and after, of course, he was. You know, he's one of the Osceola brothers who were shot and killed by Erger G. Robinson's gangsters in uh, Key Largo. You know, well, just, you know, it's great. I'm glad that you picked up on Jay Siller Reels. I, uh, one of the things that always impressed me, though, was that the Lone Ranger, he could fight one or two guys and just handle them like Duke. But what, like you said, Jay would go into town and half the town would beat on him and he would hold yeah. his own. So actually, I think he was probably better in a fight than than the Lone Ranger. In fact, both of the movies, both of the movies, the Lone Ranger and the Lost City of Gold, uh, Tonto he gets beat up by the time they want to hang him. It's in both of those movies. But he holds his own for the longest time. Yes, he does. Here's here's one that you may not think of as uh, being a sidekick, but he indeed was uh, in way early in his movie career, and that would be. one one uh, one known as Marion Robert Morrison. Yeah, Harry. Who was he the sidekick to? Uh, Tim McCoy. And I his just, name was Duke. I disagree again. No, that's okay. Because we talked about that. I know. And <laughs> he was the juvenile lead in that. He was he was there for the girl and also for the for uh, the little ladies in the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he wasn't definitely was not doing any stick. He was straight, but uh, you don't have to do stick to no, be a sidekick, but, do you? But, but so you, you got to break it down into character actors, uh, bits, mm-hmm. uh, juvenile lead, second leads, and he was a, he was somewhere between a second and third lead, mm-hmm. and he was there as again, like I say, as the juvenile lead. And if you look if you looked at a casting breakdown, that's how you would see that part listed. So then, are we uh, are we nitpicking on on this? No, this is just to me. He's not nitpicking. Okay. This is just this is from you know my experience in the okay. picture business. And, and that, looking yeah. at would a, would a uh, sidekick yeah. also be a character actor? Oh yeah, they are Definitely. characters. Sure, sure, right. I, mean, I don't think would you're they be considered more of a character uh, actor or more of a sidekick. Pardon? Would they be considered more of a? Character actor or a sidekick? Well, we'll take uh, Dennis Weaver's a good example of a sidekick that is really more of a character actor because as he, as the show started, he he seemed to fill that Chester you know that Chester part uh, from the radio show, and as the show developed, he 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 gained more perspective and depth, and his character became better defined, but. He was still, you know, he was definitely a character actor, mm-hmm. but he was also, in the earlier days, more filling the sidekick function, you know, of pouring coffee, having a pot of coffee ready in the morning and, mm-hmm. and functioning as an assistant and helper. But he, right. towards the end there, he was, you know, he was capable of handling things on his own to a degree. Right. Well, and he would, he, been, he, would, okay. he would be what, what Wyatt Earp referred to as a jailer. Yes, you know, and he was a That's deputy. A good, a good uh, analogy. He, you know, and he took care of the jail. He fed the prisoner. He kept the coffee hot on, and he was available when the when the marshal had to go out of town. He was. It fell on him to do whatever other things that were needed, and you know, I don't think you're being nitpicking, uh, 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 Bunker, but I do think that based on your experience in the picture business as long as you were, um, you know, that's Hollywood always having to pigeonhole everybody. Right. They have to put a label on everybody. They're uncomfortable if there's no label. I mean, you know, they're they're extremely uncomfortable um, if you can't pigeonhole somebody because if you can't pigeonhole them, it, it makes it more difficult for the studio head, the writer, the marketing guy, whoever it is, to then explain them away. The curse and, of uh, time casting. Yeah, and that's unfortunate any... that in Hollywood they have to do that. 
Well, they think the audience <laughs> is so dumb that they won't know. So we'll have exactly. to, we'll have to, we'll have to know, show them. Did any of you know Jacques Mahoney? I did. He's a friend you of did? mine. Well, because I've been watching this series, The Range Rider. It was really a nice series. And Dick Jones. Mm-hmm. What great stuntmen they were. The All-American really. Boy. <laughs> the All-American Boy. That's right. He would shoot under the head of the horse. I know. But that's a good series. Yeah. A lot of adventure and a lot of mm-hmm. good good stunt work, really. And, and some really of the best fantastic. stunts ever. And speaking of Red Rider, one of the other sidekicks there was uh, none other than Bobby Blake. Yes. That's right. As, uh, what was he, Little, little be- Beaver. Little Beaver. Yeah. Little yeah. Beaver. When he grew up, he was Big Beaver. Yeah. <laughs> Big Beaver. There's a lot of things when he grew up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. He, he used to date a friend of mine, and she was tall and lean, real thin gal, pretty. She had been a model. She was in the insurance business with me. And he used to, and he was shorter than her, but it didn't matter to him. He, 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 he was, you know, he thought he was, he walked around like he was six feet four. He was. Uh, yeah. And he would refer to her as slim. <laughs> and, you know, he'd, he'd see her and he'd be slim. And she's always saying to me, by the end of a date, she'd be so frustrated and fed up with him that she'd never <laughs> want to see him again. And then a week or two weeks would go by and the phone would ring and she'd pick it up, hello, and she'd hear, hey, Slim, what are you doing? <laughs> and she'd go, I'd drop the phone and I'd get in the shower and put the makeup on. <laughs> so milk. All right, we're going to do our first commercial break here, and then when we come back, I'm going to throw out some names of uh, known sidekicks and um, have and I'll the th- throw up some names and, and have the three of you make some comments about it, as will I. But your comments are more important than mine. Well, this not. is Abel Francis, the Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker de France and Harry. Todd Roberts. Our guest is John Camarada. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester '73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Coming to you from the great southwestern United States. You're darn tootin'. Yes, sir, Bob. This is the Voices of the West. Paladin, paladin, where do you roam? Paladin, paladin, far, far from home. 
Welcome back to another edition of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts. Our guest is John Camrata. And, John, I'm playing that one just for you, man, the great Johnny Western. There you go. <laughs> you know, I just made hey, me doesn't think. he live in Phoenix? Yeah, you, yes. told me, you told me he does, and you told me you know yeah, him, and I'm still waiting for you to get him uh, so we can get an interview with him. I worked a couple of the Western music. Oh, you so did John. We worked yeah. a couple of those Western music things. Really nice man. Yeah. All right, we're talking sidekicks, and uh, you heard uh, Gabby Hayes there uh, with his darn tootin'. And, uh, <laughs> so we've pretty much talked about uh, about uh, Gabby Hayes, a, a great guy, great guy. You can never talk too much about Gabby Hayes. Well, I'm going to start throwing out some names. <laughs> and we're going to start with uh, John Camrata, Andy Devine. John, do I know John Camrata? I know he's a great character actor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Under the stage. You know, that's uh, <laughs> funny that you said that. Andy Devine, he was the famous sidekick of Wild Bill Heacock. That's the one I had up next. On TV. Well, he was Jingles. He was Jingles. Yeah. One other thing I, I want to throw out with you guys, there were two fuzzies, remember? Yes. Uh, Al Fuzzy St. John and Fuzzy Knight. Mm-hmm. But these fuzzies yeah. the uh, intertwined brothers. with different stars. Well, and one of them uh, was supposed to be on a picture, and they couldn't get him. And they got the other one, and so that's how he became a fuzzy as well, I think. I think that's how the wow. story goes. Ah, okay. Well, you know. It usually happens to me after too much bourbon. But. You know, Andy Devine, that, that was a good example. Todd was talking about, you know, acting as a jailer or mm-hmm. helping around mm-hmm. a jail. Andy and a lot of the Roy Rogers that he sidekicked as a cookie bullfincher, uh, he was a sheriff or a, or a deputy. Mm-hmm. And he was definitely fulfilling that thing and he also was a sidekick to uh, richard arlen in a series of bees todd roberts pat brady well uh you know somebody who 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 had who was funny um you know it's important to realize that so many of these guys were not at all like the guy that they portrayed no you know, uh, uh, Roy Rogers used to take great pride in saying that uh, Gabby Hayes, uh, the character he was on screen, was not the guy he knew that he went out with socially. He said he was one of the best-dressed, groomed men in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He wore tweed suits and had a pocket square and, you know, open doors and didn't mumble and so on. He was and I think it's important to... to just to realize that the character is not the guy and the guy's not the character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As much as we try to believe that, you know, we all we all want to meet Roy Rogers or Gene Autry or John Wayne and have them be to us the guy we emulate we love and emulate want to emulate on the screen. But that's not always the case. And as uh, you know, familiarity breeds contempt, and as John Ford said so many times. When the real legend uh, meets the truth, print the legend. Yep. Well, you know, one of the things, too, that people forget about Pat was he was with the Sons of the Pioneers yes, for quite was. a few years. That's right. And, and a very, he had a great voice. Very, great, great voice. All right, Bunker, tell us about Slim Pickens. You Slim worked with him, didn't you? Slim Pickens. Oh, I love Slim Pickens. Didn't you work with him? I worked around him. I worked on a couple of pictures that he was in uh, right next door. Uh, but Slim, he started out, his first sidekick stuff was on TV in the saga of Andy Burnett. And one of the great things is he brought his mule with him. Hmm. And that was one of the running gags in the show is his mule was always bucking them all. <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> And he turned in, here's a perfect example of a guy who started out doing character, who in real life is and was a character, and he ended up one of the best character actors in the business. I think one of his best roles was as the uh, the uh, pilot in uh, on the B-52 in Dr. Strangelove. Oh, yeah. <laughs> King or Kong. how I learned how to love the bomb. Yeah, and he just rides that bomb down Yee-ho! like a Bronco. <laughs> That's Yee-ho! a great scene. That is a great scene. Oh, yeah. All right, Al Fuzzy wow. St. John. And a lot of these guys, specifically Fuzzy St. John, I believe he worked in circus beforehand, he didn't was, he? He was, he was a circus guy. He was a bicycle guy. He did, he had a bicycle act in circus and vaudeville. Mm-hmm. And he did that several times in the uh, Buster Krabby, uh, Billy the Kid's 
Mm-hmm. He'd, he'd come into the saloon, and, and somehow or another, he'd ride that Galdern wheel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes it, I can take, I can't do a steady diet of Fuzzy St. John's, but one or two. <laughs> He's, he was one of the more well, he was, ones. Uh, he was also the uh, sidekick uh, for uh, Lashtra Rue. Yes, yes, he yeah. was. All right, yes. here's, here's another yes. one. He also, though, was a director. Yeah, uh, in film, and uh, you know, as a young man, was a very good-looking, you know, hard-looking real cowboy, without right. the beard and so on. Yeah, in the silence, he did really well. Yeah, here's another one: Eddie Nugget Clark Waller. Eddie Waller. He was uh, apparently well. He was sidekick to Rocky Lane and Tim Holt, uh, and he made more than 260 films. And it says he was the only attendee at Rocky Lane's funeral. That hurts. Yeah. yeah he well, was, he, yeah. and he was a good character actor because he would play townsmen and mm-hmm. every once in a while get upgraded to uh, a, sh- a deputy or a sheriff. You know, and just he had that wonderful face that all these old western guys had, Cliff, which are missing today. Cliff Ukulele Ike Edwards. Oh, I forgot all about him. Yes, singing cowboy. Uh, first to perform Singing in the Rain in a 1929 film. Uh, let's see. Made over 95 films. He was sidekick to Tim Holt. I don't recall him very much. He died broke. Disney Studios paid for his funeral. Pat Buttram. Todd, talk about Pat. Pat's a good friend. You know, the funny thing about Pat is he had, you know, even in the late days, here in L.A. on Channel 5, because Gene still owned it all, right. Golden West Broadcasting, right. he and he, uh, once a week, at least once a week, he and, he and uh, Pat would be sitting in a pair of club chairs, like in a living room, and they would screen one of the films that they had made together. Nice. And, you know, it was sweet because, you know, Gene, the older he got, the more... I don't know why, but his voice became uh, more gargled and and lower, and sometimes it was hard to hear him. But Pat, hmm. you know, would he he had um, Pat's voice was still up there, so you know Gene would be like, "Well, I don't remember this part," and then Pat would go, "Oh, don't you remember that turkey got free, and I was chasing it?" <laughs> and the two of them, you know, it was it was a little discombobulated, but it was very nice. Because it it like showed that these two guys really cared for each other, and they really enjoyed working with each other, and they missed that time they had together. They wish you could see they both wish they were back there. You know, uh, there's a funny thing there too. Pat, like you said, they loved each other, and they would go out together on the town, and Pat would always pick up Gene and drive him around. And Mrs. Autry would always go, Pat, I don't want you to let him drink. And Pat would go, well, he's a grown man. I can't stop him. And, of course, they would come home and be and practically Snockered. flow out of the car. You know? yeah. Or sometimes wake more, up somewhere that, somewhere that wasn't home. Gene wrecked more than one car <laughs> yeah. while, while drinking. In fact, at the exhibit, they had a great exhibit at the Autry Museum, years ago about Gene, and, you know, he used to, uh, he had a pickup truck and a Cadillac, which were both painted the same dark, dark candy apple red with the flying A on them. The truck was used to carry the horse trailer for champion around when they would travel overseas or anywhere. Hmm. And Gene also had a Cadillac that looked like it, the same kind. And he crashed that Cadillac so many times, uh, (laughs) having too much to drink. That it, you know, uh, I, one of the reasons somebody like Pat Buttram and others started driving him is because, you know, finally somebody got to him and said, Gene, you know, I, I know we can't stop you from drinking, but we got to stop you from driving and drinking. And uh, you're too important to people. You know, and I used to you know, funny thing about responsibilities. Gene, Go ahead. About Gene, when I lived in Nashville, he owned uh, Republic Records, the record company. And uh, they had they were based out of Nashville, and uh, he came through, and it was like early in the morning, nine or ten o'clock. I guess he was filling his Wheaties, drinking, 
and the head of the record company does it, Gene, it's only 10 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock, you know, drinking a lot. And Gene says, yes, I have. But let me ask you, how much money have you made today being sober? <laughs> That's great. In other words. You used to drive, do what now? You used to drive Pat around because he didn't like to, when he got older, he didn't like to drive. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, especially if he had one of his little engagements, like down in Orange County, um, and he didn't like to drive at all at night, so I would drive him down there. How, how did you uh, end up doing that? I mean, did you... Were you guys friends? Yeah. We, no, well, it was, it was our old, you know, the, the, the coffee clutches. I got the you. Stunt guys mm-hmm. at Beverly Gardens, uh, Howard Johnson there at mm-hmm. Studio City. Uh, it was a hangout for everybody, and people would come in, and Pat was a regular. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> over time, you know, you you just either you, yeah. either you kind of grow together or you yeah. grow apart. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but Pat, I, I helped help him with stuff. You know, he'd give me a call. I need to do this. I said, okay, I'd love to do it. And the funny thing is, he'd always try to pay me 50 bucks or something like that, <laughs> and I never took a penny from wow. him. Smiley Burnett was another of uh, the sidekicks of, of Gene, Gene Autry, and, and Smiley happened before Pat Buttram did. And anybody know why uh, there was a changeout in, in sidekicks? Was it if, Yeah, because uh, Smiley Burnett, he was doing the, uh, he started doing that, um, uh, that TV show with the girls, uh, uh, I forget. He Petticoat was a, Junction? No. Yes, he was an engineer on the train. That what was, was years later. Oh. I know, but I mean, that's that's where he ended up yeah. going that route instead of the Western well, you, route. Because, you know, he also did Ozark Jubilee for several, couple of years, or a year, actually. Uh, it was a variety show. And, and, you know, one of the things about Smiley, which a lot of people don't realize, is that he was a lifelong friend with Gene. They mm-hmm. started out together mm-hmm. on radio, and, traveled together, mm-hmm. and when Gene got the call to California, they drove together to California. He, he debuted with Gene in uh, the movie Santa Fe, 1934. Yeah, exactly. Slim Andrews. He, he also had, one of the reasons he, he stopped, he, uh, one of the reasons he stopped doing that is because the show, is because he, he, with his weight and so on, he did like to drink and he loved to eat. He would get sick occasionally. He, you know, he'd have a, a stomach problem or this or that, and and it would kind of interrupt things. It's also important to remember that Smiley Burnett, and no one really knows this, had as much range in his voice. He was as good a singer mm-hmm. as Gene Autry was, mm-hmm. and he did the best imitation of a frog I yes. ever heard. Uh, oh, he could whistle. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he was, he was a master songwriter. Frog? They'd be writing yeah. out the location. Frog Millhouse and. and uh, <laughs> Gene would say, we need a song, and he'd he'd, he'd, he'd would write it, and by the time they'd get the location, he'd have a song all ready for Gene. Here's another one. He wrote a lot of songs for Gene, and Gene paid him $5 per song. Wow. Yeah. Slim Andrews, uh, born 1906, died uh, 1992. It says here he made very few films. He was a sidekick to Tex Ritter during the 40s, Mm -hmm. Uh, and seeing the picture, I get him and Guy Wilkerson confused. He wrote a mule. Yeah. Yeah. So all I've right. got I've got I've got a I've got a kind of a wild card I want to throw out you two guys all right Willie Best and Blue Washington okay now Willie Best he was when we first started in the business he was billed to sleep and eat and Blue Washington worked with uh, John Wayne and uh, uh, Hidden Gold or something like that Haunted Gold mm-hmm. and they were both black sidekicks interesting and. Uh, Blue Washington was really a great. He, he did a lot of stuff, sidekick. But both of these guys had a, a great career, you know, non-westerns. Did he work with Herb Jeffries? You know, he probably did. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I did. I did. I don't have a computer, so I don't. I can't. Can't find those little nuggets that you, got, <laughs> you computer guys can. We are talking about Old West sidekicks here on Amal Franzi's Voices of the West. It's Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. Our guest is John Camrata. And uh, we're going to talk some more about those uh, great sidekicks right after these important messages. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. 
The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSki.com. Hi everyone, it's Susan McRae and welcome to Chaparral Roundup. As you know, I've postponed the March event to October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd so we can all relax, have a great time with great dinners, a great lunch at the White Stallion Ranch, Q&A panels, screenings of a couple of our favorite High Chaparral shows, the documentary of Kent McRae so we can honor him during his favorite reunion. And we have a great silent auction to benefit the Robert F. Hoy and Kiva Hoy charity at the Tucson Medical Center. If you're already registered for March, you're automatically registered for October. But if you're not, you better register by September 17th. I look forward to seeing you all, and so does Don, with his confessions of an acting cowboy. You'll have fun. See you in October for the Chaparral Roundup at Lodge on the Desert in Tucson, Arizona. California Carlson, first sheriff. (laughs) Doggone, it sure looks good up there. Yeah, a lot of dignity, too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of dignity. Poppy, I've waited for this for 40 years. Sure, sure. You want to be sheriff now that Hoppy's cleaned out that den of the 40 thieves. Why, you young nuthead, that's the trouble. Uh, Me, a man of action, and and no chance to see action around here. This is the Voices of the West. All right, we're back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker DeFrance, Todd Roberts, our guest, John Camrata. And that little bit there you heard was uh, from Andy Clyde as California Carlson, sidekick to Hopalong Cassidy. Got to be the one. Yeah, homie. Got to be one of the best. Oh, yes, best one of the best, westerns, Best westerns around. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, hoppy is hoppy is hoppy. How I, can you I not even love have, hoppy? I mean, I have on my... And Bunker, you've seen this, and unfortunately the audience can't, but you've seen this I can uh, on, on my tablet... Uh, the opening page on my tablet is... Describe that. Well, it's Hoppy with two guns out, staring down a bad hombre, and you know that feller is down, down, down. <laughs> it's with is, a great buffalo skull tie Yeah, yeah. Oh, Th- this yeah. is a, a still from, I forget what movie it is, but uh, I, I snagged it and made, made it into... Uh, Made it into something there. One of the first eight by tens I ever collected was him on top, or that one great one. Yeah, you know, that, that I think everybody has. All right, Andy Clyde. Uh, uh, he uh, first started out at, uh, as a sidekick to Whip Wilson, and yeah. uh, uh, apparently he worked his way up, to, uh, worked all the way up to his um, uh, death at age seventy-five, 
and you saw him as the scruffy bearded old codger, but in reality he was clean shaven and well dressed. And he was on the real McCoys as a regular. Yes, he was. Uh, Buddy Epson. Oh, oh Buddy yeah. Epson, Fess Parker's guy. Well, uh, he and uh, uh, sidekick to Rex Allen. Yeah, he did a bunch of. That's how he really. Well, actually, he started out as a hoofer, you know, dancing with Shirley Temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hoofer. <laughs> he was a great hoofer. Great hoofer. <laughs> well, we you were going to talk about Guy Wilkerson. Yeah, Guy Wilkerson. I, let me find him again okay. here. Well, you know, it, the interesting thing about Guy Wilkerson is he holds the record. For the doing more short subjects than any other actor, no kidding, several hundred. Wow! The guy was the king of the shorts. I didn't know that until I was looking him, looking up something else, and saw that I've got this book on short subjects. Yeah, you know Billy Barty and guys like that. Well, but, and he was let's see, uh, he was with Scottish. the the the, the uh, uh, three mosquitoes. Yep. Uh, did that? He worked. He 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 was versatile. He did he did a lot of shows that. You know, one timers. He'd come on and do, do a little, do some shtick and stuff. It was a great, very versatile. Well, you know, here's a guy, Leo Carrillo. Mm-hmm. Oh, bunker! You stole my thunder. Uh, well, go for it. No, Here's you go. Kid. You go. I'll tell a follow-up story that Harry knows. Oh, Cisco. Let's take some bins. I love. He was well. For one, he was he was a really true. Spanish aristocrat, a family going back to the founding haciendados. Cisco, do we have to leave all our good friends now? Only until next time, Pancho. Adios, amigos. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and while we're talking about it, I want to just throw in really quick is Chris Penn Martin, who did, he was the original pot, uh, Gordito in the uh, early, 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 early uh, Cisco Kid mm-hmm, movies. Mm-hmm. But uh, go for it on, on Leo there, because, God. Well, he he, you know he had uh, he was born as you say he was part of the original Angelinos. He was born here in L.A. and died here in L.A. in 1883, and um, he was a very debonair, uh, perfectly well dressed. You know, looked a little bit like Clark Gable, a cross between Clark Gable and and um, George Raft in a suit and a boutonniere and so on, and he had a home in Santa Monica, which is a beautiful Mexican uh, colonial hacienda. It's probably five acres or more in the middle of a, a hole where houses are all around it, and none of the houses have more than a half an acre. Somehow this, this, this plot has stayed, shall we say, uh, whole this whole time. And he also has another beautiful... Uh, ranch house hacienda down in um, near San Diego, uh, so which is one of the trips that Harry and I keep taking, mm-hmm. saying we're going to take. Uh, see the Olaf Wayhorst house, and then of course the Leo Carrillo, uh, which is a national park or a California state park. Now, you know, just so, to add to that, you know, he was he was a regular at the Pasadena Rose Bowl parade, you know, with his silver oh, saddles. Yes. And also, an interest, another interesting thing is he was one of the top character actors in the 30s mm-hmm. uh, and did, did, did leads. But he was, he was, when I say character actor, he was doing all the different nationalities. Mm-hmm. And my, yes. my favorite story, though, is Duncan Ronaldo tells it, is at the end of a season of Cisco Kid, nobody on the set could speak uh, straight <laughs> English. It was all poncho English. Les went. <laughs> the thing funny. with Leo, he always, uh, uh, I like this term when he said, Cisco, let's went. Yeah. <laughs> well, and let's he go, was and he was already in his 60s uh, and approaching 70 when they was yes, doing the was. television series. And he was one of the best horsemen <laughs> yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, for, oh, he was a tremendous horseman. For, tremendous an old, horseman. for an old guy, he was getting up there pretty good, I thought. Well, and he was only just down, literally down the road from Will Rogers, who was another amazing horseman. Mm-hmm. And he owned, Will Rogers bought 5,600 acres from the mountaintop mesa that he lived on, uh, which some people might call a hill, all the way down to the beach. Mm-hmm. And um, they used to ride together. And uh, because his plot, his his little hacienda, was 
in the, shall we say, in the path of Roy Rogers's on the way to the beach. Hmm. So uh, it was it was not that far apart. Stop for a cup of coffee. They were on the same piece of land, but it was one of the big land grants from the King of Spain. And he, yeah, and and Leo was a a, a true conservationist as well. Yes. Yes. All right, uh, um, uh, Guy Wilkerson, um, eighteen ninety nine to nineteen seventy one. He was uh, uh, part of PRC's Texas Rangers. Uh, and uh, he rode with the Texas Rangers as Panhandle Perkins, yep. and uh, he was also uh, did sidekicking with uh, Dave O'Brien, who mm-hmm. did a number of westerns. But more importantly, um, Dave O'Brien is Captain Midnight, and uh, Wilkerson and was uh, it was Ichabod Mud to uh, O'Brien. Uh, great, great serial, nineteen forty-two Columbia. Um, Let's see, he did a number of other uh, quality films and television in both westerns and non-westerns. He was uh, the restaurant counterman as a clean-shaven in Sans Mustache and the 1960 Twilight Zone episode Nick of Time, <laughs> which starred uh, Shatner, William Shatner, and Patricia Breslin. And oh, he that's was, the jukebox one, mm-hmm, isn't it? And he was the jury foreman in the Gregory Peck To Kill a Mockingbird. From 1962. Yeah. Well, let's talk uh, about Gwen Big Boy Williams. Oh, he, another how great can one. You do, how can you talk oh. about sidekicks without him? Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. So, no, no, you oh, go. Oh, okay. Somebody, well, no. somebody go. Well, you know, he, 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 he just did some of the biggest, biggest, greatest westerns. He worked with uh, Earl Flynn, you know, uh, I think it was San Antonio. Uh, yep. Great bar, one of the, probably the... the Grandfather of all barroom brawls was in that. Uh, he was at what was it? Uh, was it Texas or the other one? Uh, he was one of the uh, one of the guys. But he he worked with all the big guys, you know, Ford and and uh, I just I just loved the guy. He and he was he was the real he was the real cowboy. He was one of the best again another one of the best horsemen in the business. Mm-hmm. And just very handy. And everybody, the guys that I knew that had worked with him, they said he was one of the most happy-go-lucky guys they ever knew. Just happy to be working. Yeah, happy to be <laughs> working. Well, that's that's true, even... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, John. Go ahead. Okay. Two other good sidekicks that worked with Johnny Mac Brown, uh, Fuzzy Knight and Raymond Hatton. Yes. Yeah. Raymond yes. Hatton was a sidekick for a couple other guys. I can't remember who they were. Well, yeah, he, he worked with, uh, I think he worked with Tim McCoy. Tim uh, McCoy, that's it. And he may have worked with Johnny Mac. I'm not he did. He sh- worked Johnny with Johnny Mac. Brown. Yeah, he was with he Johnny Mac. He did the Mac. Rough Riders, the Three Mosquitoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, well, I will throw out, uh, uh, I was going to say the Big Boy Williams. You really you get it even when you see him in that small cameo in Comancheros when he's in the jail cell. Mm-hmm. And he's been caught. You know, his his love of life, it just comes through in his, his light and go hardy attitude. But I'll throw out Ben Johnson and Dobie Carey as sidekicks. Okay. And, Great um, sidekicks. Especially Ben Johnson is was a sidekick to John Wayne more than once. Oh, yeah. And um, the other one I'm going to, uh, I have to throw out, I, I I know it's out of uh, out of our lane, but Barney Fife to me is one of the greatest sidekicks <laughs> that ever lived. And and just to say, and and, and only to take it a step further, Apple Dumpling, do yourself gang, a favor. Gang, you couldn't uh, Go on YouTube and find Don Knotts yes. on the Steve Allen show doing the nervous pitcher, yeah. the baseball pitcher. That was terrific. <laughs> Steve you would have do not, time, don't have, it, don't, don't have a don't, drink don't. in your hand because it will be all over the floor. Well, you know, Mayberry, um, Mayberry is in uh, uh, Western North Carolina, so it is a Western. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I want to yeah. throw out the, the worst sidekick of all time. All righty then. The, 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 I should I should be kicked off the show for even bringing his name up. Pinky Lee. <laughs> He was oh, a bunker. Oh, I, I can't. I, I can't say anything more. Good. We'll take a break. Our final commercial break. <laughs> we'll be back with much more of Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. We're talking sidekicks. Harry Alexander Bunker to France, Todd Roberts, and John Camrata. We'll be back. Here 
Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horses Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horses Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horses Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Howdy, I'm High Bussy, and these are the Frontiersmen. Love that stuff, man. Welcome back to Amel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker to France, Todd Roberts, our guest, John Camrata. Frontiersman, man. Yeah. Great, great group. All right, we're talking sidekicks here, and uh, we've heard the worst sidekick, and I don't think we're going to make up... Uh, Actually, there's a second worst, too. A second worst, okay. Sterling Holloway. Sterling <laughs> Yeah, but... but uh, we, we not stick, in, def- but not in defense of Pinky Lee, but I will say... He was an accomplished musician. He played the xylophone. Oh. And he also, it's important to remember, not that we, our audience cares as much, but he is the grandfather to Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Well, that explains well, hey, a lot. You know, he actually, he had a uh, little TV show called Those Two. It uh, was a little musical thing uh, with a storyline and, yeah, he, he was a talented man. He just what didn't fit in the westerns. Here's one that yeah. uh, is not talked about uh, a lot: uh, Sid Sailor, and uh, y- you know him by 
looks, but you probably may not recognize him, recognize his name. He did occasional sidekick and hero helper roles in Bees with uh, Ken Maynard, Tex Ritter, Buster Krabby, Johnny Mac Brown, George O'Brien, Kermit Maynard, among others. He was an original member of Republic's Three Mosquitoes, but uh, was replaced by Max Terhune after doing the initial Mosquitoes oh, entry. And uh, he also worked with Bob Steele and a quartet of odors released in 46 by PRC. There's a... a, a he looked a lot like Sterling Holloway, or vice yeah. versa. Yeah, yeah, uh, and there's another one, Max Terhune, yeah. uh, as a oh, uh, right. as a sidekick. Ah, uh, rather lullaby. Yeah, I, uh, I knew I uh, his son Bob Terhune was one of the great stuntmen, or Bob as he was known among the stuntmen, terrible Terhune, <laughs> but uh, he was Bob was such a legend. And he would go into a bar, and all of the baddest guys in Hollywood. Would, would slink out the back door. <laughs> well, also, we, during the break, uh, when the uh, uh, announcement about Horse and Around Rescue came on, Bunker mentioned that uh, Mr. Ed might be a sidekick. Yeah, Alan Rocky Lane. Yeah, it, but he was a lead. He was a lead. A lead and Joe Wills with Francis. Francis well, he was talking the sidekick. Yeah. The mule, but he was the lead, too. <laughs> Johnny, well, in a lot of ways, Wilbur was the sidekick. Yeah. Because he yeah, was the straight was, man. Definitely. That's true. Well, we we got one we got to mention. Okay, Oliver Hardy only really one Western movie, The Fighting Kentuckian with Kentuckian. John Wayne. He was John really Wayne. pain, but he was with his so good. Skin good cap. John, yeah. you got in the uh, two minutes we got left. You got one, any more that you want to throw out there? I have a question for you. In oh, the okay. series with Ken Maynard, Hoot Gibson, and Bob Steele, which one would be the sidekick? Hmm. I think they both stand alone as leads. What year did it come out? Uh, probably 47 or something like that. The Hooter would be the sidekick. Oh, by Who? that time, Ken was pretty much... Uh, washed up. Yeah. Hung over. Well, he's washed up a lot before then, I think, but still enjoyed Dub watching Dub Ken Ball Taylor. Yeah, we talked about him, didn't we? We did? I think we did. I don't think we did. No. Buck Taylor. I've got one to throw out that right. we that, that's also not in our lane. But I, it's honorable mention, shall we say, um, is uh, Nigel Bruce is Dr. Watson. Oh, yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Perfect. Man. And was such a good actor. My oh, God, you know, yeah. he's so discounted as a good actor. Yeah. Even a, just the same way Basil Rathbone is discounted exactly. as a great actor. Exactly. Uh, Nigel Bruce, of course, plays um, the uncle to uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier in the great film Rebecca, the mm-hmm. only film to win Best you. Oscar. I win an Oscar for an Alfred Hitchcock film. Uh, but he always, you know, he was a little bit of comic relief, but he sure did have that, that pistol out, that revolver, when when uh, Holmes needed it. Alan Hale Sr. also could and be considered, junior. and Jr., uh, could be Very considered much. in that, uh, and with his roles uh, in... Um, um, San Antone. Cap- San Antone, Captain and Blood. Santa Fe. Ca- well, Captain Blood and uh, Robin Hood. And the war uh, yes. movies that he did. In the, yeah. So well, you know, we yeah. got we got to go back to Chill Wills for a second Please. because he did a sidekick stint with uh, George O'Brien as Whooper Hopper or Whooper Hatch, and of course he, he went on with the singing career and became a great character actor. And one last guy to throw in there: Gordon Jones worked with Roy Rogers and Randolph Scott, and is sure. definitely overlooked in the sidekick thing. Let me just throw out, well, you mentioned Robin Hood with Alan Hale Sr. My, one of my favorite lines of all time in any film is when uh, <clears throat> Al, uh, Errol Flynn is Robin Hood and uh, Little John, come across, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Will, Will, Scarlet Will, Will Scarlet, and they come across on the other end of a bridge which is made up of a log across a, a brook of, of water. And... Uh, he wants to pass with Will Scarlet. Well, Alan Hale wants to pass on his own. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't want to wait for these two guys. And uh, uh, Errol Flynn looks at him, and he's standing there with his big stick, and he's got this big smile and his big barrel chest. And, you know, he's smiling at the two of them like, I'll be able to knock you guys off like like mosquitoes off, off my arm. And uh, Errol Flynn looks at him and goes, Now my, there is a lustful infant. <laughs> okay, Don Diamond. Okay, Kit Carson, El Toro. Yep. 
Yeah, right. He was a good sidekick. Guys, we're out of time. Oh. Although we won't mention Edgar Buchanan or Dub Cannonball Taylor. Okay. Noel Berry Jr., okay. Emmett Lynn. We'll mention them next part time. Two. Okay. Yeah. Part two. We'll mention them next time. <laughs> hey, uh, John, thank you much for joining us thank today. You, John. Appreciate My it. My pleasure. My pleasure. I had a lot of fun with you. And uh, Todd, thank you as well. Thank you, amigo. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Bunker. And thank you to the, the one and only John Camrata, uh, who our faithful leader. Uh, looked to Damn you leader. as one of one of the true Hall of Fame greats. Yeah. He and was always Fame. talking about you. And it might be also known that it is Camrata who brought the, the name to this program. Kind of a program yeah. founder. Yeah. 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 So we Do thank we you twice, sir. Yeah, we got, uh, yeah, check's in the mail, John. You're all too kind. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, it's right there with the... Uh, with the check from uh, our friend up north in the Washington, D.C. Yeah, right, uh, Biden Bucks. All right, that's it for this edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, 76, 78, and so long, everybody. Cisco, do we have to leave all our good friends now? Only until next time, Pancho. Adios, amigos. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. 